empower people with not just the philosophical tools, but the inspiration to break free from the system. Welcome to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds in the liberty movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen. We need to be better people. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Live love and live free. Happy Monday. Happy 2021, Liberty Kitties. It is a brand new year, a little bit of a brand new start here at Lions of Liberty with Mark Claire. But first, I'm going to be, I don't know, I guess you could say cleaning up some old business from last year because uh, towards the end of last year, I hosted an amazing debate between Dave Smith and Spike Cohen on the concept, the subject of borders in the modern contest text, not just a theoretical or philosophical debate. We really are talking about the present day here. Uh, so I'm excited excited to share with that with you today. That was already available for patrons or locals uh, of Lions of Liberty. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty or over on locals at lionsofliberty.locals.com. Also want to mention very briefly, there's an announcement in your feed. If you're listening on the Lions of Liberty network feed, what is now the network feed, uh, we have f- formally rebranded ourselves as the Lions of Liberty network, which means you can find all three shows here uh, every single Monday with the flagship Wednesday with Electric Liberty Land, Finding Freedom on Thursdays, just like you always have. But now you can also find individual podcast feeds for these shows. And I really want you to go find the feed of Lions of Liberty with Mark Clare. That is just my solo feed that will that will see my podcast and some other extra stuff that I have in there. Uh, but in that feed, you will also find my episode zero. You're only going to find that in that feed, not in the Lions of Liberty Network feed. We explain all of this in the piece of audio that is right before this one called Breaking Lions of Liberty Network Announcement. So check that out. But without further ado, I present to you an amazing debate, an amazing conversation between my good friends, Dave Smith and Spike Cohen. Uh, We are now live for the very exclusive group of people that are kind enough to help us help the Lions of Liberty to expand our message, to grow our show, which we are doing in 2022 in many ways. We are expanding our feeds. Um, A lot's going on, but I'm not going to talk about that right now because we got business to get to, my friends. We've got a big debate here, a debate that I feel like has been in the making for quite some time, uh, and I'm very pleased to have on my guest today. First up, he is no stranger, neither you're a stranger to fans of Lions of Liberty, but this one is really no stranger. He has participated in many, many, many a debate on this program. He is the host of the Part of the Problem podcast, host of the Legion of Skanks, possible future libertarian Mises caucus endorsed. And I don't know. We'll see nominee of something. Who knows? But nonetheless, he is Dave Smith. Dave, um, one question, of course. Are you ready to roar? Roar, roar. Merry Jewish Christmas, everybody. Merry Jewish Christmas. Indeed, speaking of a Jewish Christmas, and by the way, it's Christmas for us because if you're listening to this and you're w- wondering what's all this Christmas talk, it's because you are a normie, you are a cheapo, you do not subscribe to Lions of Liberty on Locals of Patreon, so you're hearing this uh, just after the new year, but for us, it's it's a very Jewish Christmas. So I'd like to also welcome in, he is the co-founder of Muddied Waters Media, and most recently he was the Libertarian Party's vice presidential nominee in 2020. He is the one, the only, Spike Cohen. Spike. Are you ready to roar? I am, but I really, I roar. I, I don't. I, what was sure. that? What I, was already, that? I did it. Roar. 
I deduct yes. one point for, for, for lack <laughs> of strong roller. I've already lost with, with, with gusto. All right, I just got to protect this lead. <laughs> yeah, that's all you got to do. Just play defense at this point. Just roar every time really, really hard. Um, before we get into this debate, into this proposition or resolution, I, I suppose we should say, uh, I want to tell you about our amazing sponsor for this live stream. This is Los Libertinos. It's actually just my guy, Carlos Avalar. He has a couple things going on. Uh, he is the host, first of all, of the Los Libertinos podcast, an awesome podcast. I was on the show maybe a month or so ago, and it's truly one of the, my favorite favorite interviews I've done. Like Carlos really comes at thing from a, a very down to earth homey point of view and has really real conversations. Both of you guys should consider going on Los Libertinos sometime. That's just my suggestion. Um, but Carlos and his wife, Vanessa, also run Paloma Verde CBD. Uh, do either of you gen- gentlemen dabble in the CBD by chance? I do. I love the uh, the topical. I know. You, I know you have your own sponsor, which we're not going to mention here. But. No, but I've used it, several of them. Topical creams, uh, CBD. I don't know mm. if they make them, but I've used them for joint pain, and it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. No, I, I, I legit had. I, a, but I've actually yeah. I've been on Los Libertinos when I was in San San Antonio last year. Oh, awesome! Cool. Yeah. So you can attest. Do you agree with my assessment that he's a really fun interviewer? Yeah, no, it was fun. I had a great no time. pressure because he had, he is paying for the sponsorship. So cool. It was almost right. it was almost like using CBD. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Carlos and Vanessa are, are awesome people. They're down to earth people, and they also as a it's really their side hustle is Paloma Verde CBD, and they got some awesome products. Like their gummies are so delicious. They're almost that's my only complaint is that their gummies taste too good that I want to eat them all. Which I mean. You know, CBD doesn't really fuck you up per se, but you don't need to eat them all in one sitting either. But uh, I highly recommend checking out PalomaVerdeCBD.com. And not only that, you can use discount code ROAR for not 10, not 15, no, 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 25% off any order over $75. I'm not a math guy, but that seems like a good deal to me. So check out Los Libertinos and check out Paloma Verde CBD. Use discount code ROAR for your discount. And with that being said, my friends, the bills have been paid. Let's get into this thing. And... uh First up, I'm just going to read the proposition, and the proposition we are going to be debating today is libertarians should demand that government allow people to travel into or out of the United States as we wish, or maybe it's as they wish, either one, in defiance of its attempts to use crises like COVID to restrict our freedom of association. Um, Speaking in the affirmative for this resolution will be Spike Cohen. Speaking for the negative of the proposition will be Dave Smith. Dave, we're going to start with you. You have... I usually say 10 minutes or so. I decided I'm actually going to have, I'm going to be a little bit of a professional. Whoa. I'm actually going to have a, I've actually oh, got a timer wow. with me, gentlemen. That's right. Ugh. Dave, Oh no, you have 10 minutes. Oh, okay. All right. I'll try my best to uh, fit everything into 10 minutes. Well, thank you, Mark. And thank you, Spike. I, I think I'm, I'm really excited to do this because this is uh, um, around an issue that I I've wanted to talk about for a, a while. And I think it's my position on this issue is, is kind of controversial within, um, Uh, within Libertarian Party members, although I think not nearly as controversial amongst the greater Libertarian movement or the Liberty movement, which might say something in itself about why, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that most people in the Liberty movement, most Libertarians, most Libertarian-leaning people are not members of the Libertarian Party. And I think that that's something that me and Spike have been two of the 
kind of leading people and trying to change and trying to bring more people into the, the Liberty, uh, into the Libertarian Party. Um, and I would also just like to say right up top that I'm really grateful that Spike took the time and is the guy here to do this. We were, we were going to set this up with somebody else who didn't want to, but I'm really glad that it worked out this way. Um, Someone who may have left a few thousand meals on the maybe table. Maybe 10,000 meals left on the table. Whatever. I'm not here. I'm not here to judge other people. But anyway, those people won't be fed. Anyway, anyway um, they're going to starve, but whatever. Who cares? Uh, for, for the virtue, those people won't have meals. Um, but I, I will say, and I mean this like very sincerely, that Spike has really, in, in the last year that we're approaching the end to, become one of my favorite voices in the liberty movement. And there's there's so like whenever I watch other libertarians on on Kennedy or watch them you know like post on on social media I'm always kind of there like oh I wish they would say it like this or say it like this and when I see Spike out there I'm just I, almost every time I hear him talk I'm like yes perfect I, I'm so glad he's out there and I think the best thing that came out of the the 2020 race was Spike being kind of you know uh, launched into you know being one of the main figures in the Liberty movement. And um, I, I just see, I just want to say this real quick. I know I'm wasting my time, but I see sometimes on social About media. 10 minutes. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying, I, I hey, see. Now. No, okay, listen. I, well, like I see, I see well sometimes on social media, there'll be people who are like, you know, you know, they're like, well, I like Dave, screw Spike, or I like Spike, screw you, Dave. And it's like, just so you guys know, me and Spike like each other a lot. And this is all kind of silliness. So people tweet at me like, well, I'm going to do everything I can to support Spike Cohen. And I'm like, that's great. That's wonderful. So keep doing that. Okay. Anyway, so my, my position is basically this, and I'm, I'm going to open just with my position on open borders. We can get into how it relates to COVID later, but I, I think me and Spike are going to completely agree on our opposition to the COVID regime. So um, I do not support open borders. And there's a lot of people in the LP who think that this is like somehow uh, a deviation from libertarian principles or that like, well, Dave's really good on, on libertarian stuff, except in this area of open borders. I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's the correct position for, for libertarians to support open borders. And I'm basically going to make two essential points about this, which is the, the philosophical and the practical, why I don't think it's the correct position philosophically and why I think in terms of the outcome, it would be very bad. Um, but I will say that I don't, I don't have the attitude that some others have that like being open borders makes you not a libertarian. I, I was a passionate supporter of uh, Jacob Hornberger running for president uh, uh, in, for, on the LP ticket in 2020, who of course didn't win the, the nomination, but he was as open borders as you could get. I didn't agree that it should have been his number one priority, but he was so good on so many issues that this wasn't a big enough, this wasn't a deal breaker for me. And I myself used to be an open borders libertarian. And if people go back and listen to the archives of my podcast, they can find episodes in 2013 and 2014, where I basically just took the position that I see a lot of people in the LP taking. And, it, and that seemed like the right position to me that what is an immigrant? Well, that's just a statist construct. There's no such thing as an immigrant. It's a person. And what is immigration? Well, that's just a status concept. There's no such thing. It's just moving. And so open borders is the libertarian position. And around 2015, 2016, I started to reconsider this position. And a lot of this had to do with the rise of the Trumpist, you know, uh, uh, right populist movement and the kind of uh, migration flood into Europe, of course, all or mostly caused by the Bush-Obama wars that destabilized the Middle East and Northern Africa and led to this mass migration. And I started getting into these arguments a lot with people. And some of them, some of the right-wingers were making really bad arguments. 
But some of them were making really solid arguments. And I started going back and rereading the stuff that I had kind of dismissed previously, which was the later Rothbard stuff, Ron Paul's take on immigration, Hans-Hermann Hoppe, Lou Rockwell, and a lot of these guys. And I changed my mind. I was convinced by the arguments they were making. And I, I will see a lot of people just kind of dismiss this as like, well, this is not libertarian. And it's like, look, okay, but if you don't have an argument to refute this, like I'm taking the position of Murray Rothbard, the guy who created the modern American libertarian movement, and Ron Paul, the most influential, brilliant, important libertarian figure in modern libertarian history. So I don't think it can just be dismissed out of hand. And basically, the, I'm not making an appeal to authority. I'm just saying that like, you can't just dismiss it without taking on the argument. Um, and okay, so here's basically the argument. The, a lot of libertarians take it as, I believe, an unexamined given that public property or government property should be open to everybody. That because the government owns a piece of property, therefore there should be no restrictions on this. And I will just say that libertarians who believe in self-ownership, the non-aggression principle, and private property rights, you, you really cannot deduce from that logically that therefore government property should be open to everybody. And I mean, like in the same way that like if somebody, if we say taxation is theft, and that's what funds all of this, if somebody stole your wallet and run, like that doesn't mean that wallet belongs to everybody in the world now, now that wallet belongs to the person it was stolen from. Now, of course, things get much more complicated and difficult to, to parse out when it's, you know, the entire tax pool. But still, you don't get to the place of just saying this property belongs to everyone in the world equally. And if you're talking about a piece of property and saying there's no rights to exclude people from it, and in fact, it's owned by everybody, that doesn't sound like libertarianism, really. That sounds like a different ideology, uh, which is not libertarianism at all, and has been tried many times and had some disastrous consequences. And of course, I think in this kind of unexamined assumption by a lot of libertarians, they don't even really hold true to this in all instances because they know it would be a disaster. I mean, like, if you really were going to say that public property ought to be, belong to everybody and cannot exclude anyone, you know, what I used to say about uh, uh, open borders, it's just a guy crossing an imaginary line. But what's a man with a gun going to do to stop him? That's immoral. It's like, okay, well, do we believe that, um, that, that public schools ought to let some random 55-year-old man in who just wants to go into the girl's, you know, locker room and hang out? Like, no, I, I don't think most libertarians believe that. Uh, do we believe that state schools should offer a spot to the high school dropout the same way they do to the valedictorian? Well, no, I don't think. And I think it's kind of for practical reasons that we kind of just know that would be a disaster if we let it play out that way. And so you, you recognize that when you have this public property, I don't look, it's not libertarian to have open borders. It's not libertarian to have closed borders. It's not libertarian to have anything in the middle because the only libertarian answer really is to privatize everything. And I'm sure me and me and Spike agree with that. The only libertarian answer is to have um, private borders and private property and abolish government. But in the meantime, do we have to support government? A minute 30 left. 
Jesus, man, I didn't get through any of this. But in the meantime, I don't think we have to uh, support government opening uh, uh, the commons to everybody. And in fact, I'd say I think that while closing the borders completely would be a violation of the non-aggression principle, opening the borders would also be a violation of the non-aggression principle, especially considering the fact that the vast, 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 vast majority of Americans do not support open borders. Um, and so, OK, the, after that, I guess I'll just, uh, maybe I'll skip later that my consequentialist argument is that I think open borders borders would be a disaster. And the libertarians who are, who are pretending it wouldn't, I think, are not living in the real world in the moment that we're in today. I think, and, and I guess I can make that case later because I don't have, have enough time to now. But I would just say that there, the, the true libertarian position is that the property owners could decide to have as open or as closed borders as they want to. But with government o opening the borders and government um, you know, uh, controlling the roads and the schools and the hospitals and all of this and just opening everything up, that ends months. up being a violation of the non-aggression principle in the other direction. And the, the truth is that the, the only thing that keeps the, and I'll wrap up on this, Mark, the only thing that kind of like keeps any type of closed borders in our world today is very wealthy communities. And that's why you see those people, you see the people advocating for open borders often being college kids, you know, people in the corporate press, kind of the elite establishment. And who did you see coming out for Donald Trump? who rallied people around some type of border control, build a wall, all of this. You saw, you know, um, that's your time. Truck I'll, I'll drivers, you your sentence. Truck drivers, coal miners, blue collar workers, because those people have no say in how their communities are affected and who their kids go to public school with and all of this stuff. And I don't think that that's the correct libertarian position. So, all right. I think, man, you I didn't get through half of that. To make like a 15 minute run on <laughs> sentence. But anyway, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, you had I to spent, use a quarter of your time praising your opponent. So can I can I take back nine. like can I take back three of the nice things I said about Spike and get like points? <laughs> get three uh, I, points. Think, I think we'll have time to elaborate. And now on, I need a, about two minutes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, kiddies, I got to take a quick little break to tell you about one of our amazing sponsors. And uh, here we're talking about the subject of borders and people crossing into the United States. Well, my friend Mikhail Thorup is the world's foremost expert, in my view, about helping people go maybe the other direction, to actually become expats, or at least to give themselves a contingency plan, a plan B, a second passport, a second residency, uh, property or assets overseas. You need to be able to protect yourself against the craziness that has been going on out in the world. The world is closing very quickly, and for a lot of places, you're not, you're going to have a very limited opportunity to set yourself up with a place to live or just a place to invest outside the United States. The clock is ticking, so I want you to go get my friend Mikkel's free PDF, free infographic. It is called 19 International Strategies to Protect and Grow Your Wealth. When you get through with this, you are going to sleep like a baby, knowing no one will ever raid your personal little Fort Knox creditors are going to be terrified to even think about looking at your personal assets. You're going to be able to defend yourself from governments trying to steal your money through taxation. That's why I want you to head over to expatmoneyshow.com slash lions to get this free, yes, it is actually free, infographic. That's expatmoneyshow.com slash lions. Um, all right. That being said, Mr. Cohen, it is now your time to defend the proposition that libertarians should demand that government allow people to travel into or out of the United States as we wish in defiance of its attempts to use crises like COVID to restrict our freedom of association. You have 10 minutes. 
Well, after seeing Dave um, make a major strategic blunder by saying nice things about me, I'm not going to say anything nice about <laughs> um, at all. Um, in fact, I'm actually going to say, Dave, that you are a coward for continuing to refuse to go on the System Is Down podcast. Uh, and, that, that, and that until <laughs> until you do that. How much did Dan pay you for that? A check better be in the mail. Until Damn, you do. If you're listening. I don't think we can. I will never go on your podcast now. <laughs> Spike just assured it. I was, gonna, it forever. I was gonna call you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so with that said, uh, I think uh, I would say, and I think there's gonna be a lot of this. Uh, so for those who are looking for a tremendous amount of conflict, you're probably only gonna get it in spurts because Dave and I agree on most everything around this issue. We agree that the best way, all of these tragedy of the commons problems that are being created, not just through questions of immigration or of welfare or of uh, public safety or all other types of things are boiled down to the fact that we have a violent monopoly in control of things who has a vested interest in things getting worse. And so inherently the best way to handle that is to eliminate or at least greatly reduce the state, eliminate pri public ownership or government really tax. It's not public ownership. It's taxpayer ownership. It's, it's taxpayer paid government ownership, ending that and privatizing it and allowing people then to decide how open or closed they want their borders to be. So where we disagree on, and, and I think we also agree, and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, that at least you mentioned how in Europe, the, the major part of the surge that happened was because of US and Western neocon foreign policy. In the same token, uh, I, I would imagine we both agree that the bulk of the surge that we're seeing of migrants coming now is as a result of US uh, drug war and neocon foreign policy, the CIA sponsoring narco terrorists that are taking over entire countries and murdering, slaughtering anyone that they think doesn't support them. And that's leading to a lot of the people that are coming here in the first place. Um, and that by ending that, a lot of the folks wouldn't be coming here in the first place. Where we disagree is on what to do uh, between that very brief transitory period between the status quo we have now and the stateless society that is assuredly moments away what a couple are we doing that meantime just where any day now you know it, it, the 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 shipping times are screwing everything up it's a supply chain problem but the what do we do in the meantime um now this is usually in these uh libertarian debates or really debates on um on immigration in general this is when i'm supposed to start throwing a bunch of stats at you and i've got stats and I'll, I'll, i'm sure at some point we'll go over them that you know the the likelihood of uh immigrants to end up on welfare the immigrants of uh, likelihood of immigrants to commit crimes, the uh, percentage of immigrants uh, that start new businesses compared to native-born Americans and all that stuff. I think that has to take at least a back seat when we currently have a government that is increasingly telling us whether or not we're allowed to go outside. And I think that when we're talking about these subjects in the midst of a government that is looking to places like Australia and Canada and other countries, not, you know, for, not these, you know, dictatorships that we're used to doing this kind of stuff, not North Korea, countries that are strikingly similar to ours and saying, yeah, maybe we should do that here. Maybe we should or only do it for those who aren't vaccinated or only do it for those, uh, you know, who, who meet a certain criteria that we want them to. For us to continue to whistle past that graveyard and talk about the possibility of economic growth, I think is the wrong way to talk about this. And it speaks past the real concerns of people. So I think the biggest thing I can talk about right now on, on why I think 
that the most libertarian position or the correct libertarian position is on government allowing people to to come and go as they please on those government-owned property, which includes the border. Uh, I have to talk about how I changed my position on this, kind of the flip of Dave. I used to be a, a bordertarian. Even as I was becoming more of an ANCAP as, as opposed to a minarchist, I still believed that there needed to be this government control of the border. And one of the biggest reasons I said that was because of the welfare state. You know, they're coming here and they're using welfare. And when people would use stats about their less likelihood to use welfare or whatever, I'd say, yeah, but if many of them are coming here, many of them are going to end up on welfare, ergo bigger welfare state, we shouldn't allow it to happen. And then I was asked a question one day, it was actually a two-part question that I was asked, and I would never had a good solid answer for it. And they said, okay, let's say that they are more likely to use welfare or as likely. And so the more that come, the more we're going to have a welfare state. Uh, So you believe that what would otherwise be a peaceful human action of of crossing a line and going to wherever they're welcome to be hosted or or hired or housed. Imagine if, uh, you know, let's say that that is a good way to deal with that to reduce the welfare state. What other authoritative measures do you think government should be taking? Should they be limiting the types of foods and, uh, you know, our caloric intake or telling us how we should live in terms of, you know, the amount of food we eat or, or the amount of exercise we have? Because not doing otherwise, allowing people to make those choices for themselves is a big part of the burden on Medicare and Medicaid. Obesity being one of the, the major single biggest issues contributing to the overall welfare state. Uh, should we say that people shouldn't be allowed to gun uh, allowed to own guns or at least uh, poor people shouldn't be allowed to own guns because if they cause a, a gunshot wound or, or something that results in someone going to a hospital, that's a strain on emergency service, emergency services and Medicaid. By the way, notice how much these sound like arguments for vaccine mandates. But anyway, uh, you know, should they you know, list off all these different things or even should they uh, not let poor people have more than a certain number of children uh, because those children are exponentially more likely to be on and remain on the welfare state? And I said, no. And they said, okay, so why just immigration? Why do you suspend your belief that government has no business doing these other things and that government's not even good at doing those things and and doesn't accomplish the goals that they set forth anyway, but on immigration, they should. And I never had a good answer to that. And and for those of you who who do support, um, you know, closing borders or, or keeping them at the status quo or whatever you support, you know, while you ponder that, I'll tell you about the question that they would ask me that didn't work because they would say things like, you know, those walls, they don't just keep people out. They can keep you from from they don't just keep people from coming in. They can keep you from leaving. And, you know, those uh, shelters, uh, well, yeah, the Democrats president. So they're shelters now. They're not cages. Those <laughs> shelters um, are, you know, can easily have you in them or someone else. And you don't think that could happen. And I'd say, no, I don't think that could happen. And I knew about Japanese internment. And I knew about all that. But I didn't think that would happen to, to me. Um, as I took more and more of a libertarian take on everything, I eventually came to terms with saying, no, the government will do this to anyone. The the gun that you give them for this will inevitably be turned on you. Uh, but now we don't really need that hypothetical anymore. Imagine if I had come to you this time two years ago and told you a few months from now, almost all of us are going to face being told that we can't really go anywhere for our own safety, like anywhere. And that later we'd be told that you can't work for a business or in the healthcare sector or be in the military or a host of other things unless you're vaccinated. And that they'd have the enforcement mechanism in place already to do all of those things, that they'd actively do all those things, and that they would be looking to other countries that are similar to ours who are doing even more draconian things like literally putting people in internment camps 
for having close contact with people that have COVID, would you have thought that was going to happen in a matter of months or even a year or so? Most of us would have probably said no. That's not a hypothetical anymore. Um, you know, and a lot of people will say, yeah, but this is just for border enforcement. The CDC told uh, uh, landlords that they couldn't evict tenants for the better part of uh, uh, just over a year. And that was finally thrown out in court. Would you like to spend a year in a camp until hopefully it gets thrown out in court? Uh, the Patriot Act, which was supposed to fight Al Qaeda and the people that did 9-11, has most recently been used against angry school parents who weren't threatening anyone. And again, look at Australia, look at Canada. These things are coming. We don't even have to look at other countries. That's 97. Really? Um, uh, so, wow, it does creep up on you, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> the border, the government has a 100 mile zone that the majority of us live in, uh, where they claim the authority to, uh, detain you and search you uh, or anyone they deputize other police officers, they deputize to detain you and search you, uh, without any warrant or without any reason. All they have to do is go to court later and say it was immigration related. This will be used against you. Uh, being, I believe that being a libertarian who supports uh, giving government this power is, especially if you're an anarchist, is believing that government is an immoral, uh, violent, tyrannical monopoly that is run by sociopaths and pedophiles that is financed by extortion and theft and enforced at the threat of murder and kidnapping and, and assault, and that everything they try to do ends up either failing because they're inept or getting worse because they want it to get worse. They want you to suffer. They want to be able to grandstand on your suffering to make your life worse, 30 except seconds. for immigration. And I don't think that if that's what government is, it isn't not that for immigration. It's also that for immigration. And look at the status quo we have. There are millions of people here illegally, while there are hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands in cages. Uh, the the uh, cartels are strong, greatly empowered by being able to smuggle people in at high uh, cost of doing so, because in the same way that the drug war empowers cartels, so does the war on migration empower cartels. This is what government does. And I at your time, I'll let you wrap. Yeah, no, that's really it. This is what government does. And I don't believe that we should be giving government a gun that it will inevitably point at us at some point. All right. Thank you, Spike. And a couple directions I might want to go down. But first, Dave, like, is there anything sure. pressing that, that Spike, Spike specifically said in his statement there that you'd like to <clears throat> address head on? Well, uh, again, so I, I, I agree with a lot of what spike said there and i i certainly agree that like the the um the argument that spike used to uh, agree with, with uh, or believe in that you know kind of like well as long as we have the welfare state we we can't have immigration and while i'll yeah. certainly acknowledge that that creates a lot of problems that's very different than the argument i'm making and i think that um I've heard a lot of, you know, like Brian Kaplan has done a lot of stuff on this where he'll be like, well, I mean, that could justify, you know, doing just about anything the state does. And I agree right. with that. That could, that could justify, you know, the war on drugs or the war or, or a war yeah. on, you know, fast food or like anything like that. But that's different than what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying is that, that fundamentally Rothbard had, had two insights, one, a, a very important one. And one, the thing that underpinned all of libertarianism. One was that, uh, basically when it comes to government, Everything in government should either be abolished or privatized. And so there are some things, there's a lot of things we want to privatize. There's a lot of things we want to abolish. In other words, we don't want to privatize the war on drugs. We don't want to right. privatize the income, to, the, the IRS. We want to abolish them. However, security, the cops, 
We want to privatize that. And then this is why lefties sound goofy when they say abolish the police. Like, no, 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 we actually want to privatize the police because we do want security. We just don't want this monopoly on security. So the, the second uh, insight Rothbard had, which really underpins all of his work and all of libertarianism, and this is the, the to me the, the essential libertarian belief, right, is that the moral character of an action is not changed because the government does it. So if something is evil, it's evil when the government does it. And it, like, and it doesn't matter if they wear blue uniforms or a black robe and call themselves a judge or a shiny suit and call themselves a politician. It's evil no matter what, what if it would be evil for me or you, it's evil for them, right? And so it, it, if you understand this, the government excluding someone from property that does not belong to them is not something that we would think is evil if a private person did it. In other words, if a private you know, city or street or block or home said, we have completely closed borders, no one can come in, we'd have no moral problem with that. So the, the point that I'm making is that you know, it, it's not, if you compare this to something like, oh, limiting the amount of fast food you can have, well, no, we would have a problem with a private person doing that because that is a violation of the non-aggression principle, obviously. Like you, mm-hmm. you cannot control what someone else puts into their body. You can't control right. someone else having their kids. You can't, you know, all of this stuff. But you could say you can't come on property that doesn't belong to you. And of course, none of this is perfect when you have a government. My only argument here is that it's not perfect either way. It's not perfect with open borders. It's not perfect with closed borders. And the 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 idea that the libertarian position has to be that the borders are completely open, the commons are completely open, does not follow from that logic. Okay, fair enough. So I, I agree with you to the extent that I will often watch people that, you know, grit their teeth when a police officer saves a child from, you know, being murdered or something like that, or, or you know, uh, uh, you know, saves a, a, a kid that's, uh, you know, in a fire or something. Or, but good is good and bad is bad, right? Like, we're not against yeah. government because putting on the, the, the magic uniform suddenly makes them evil. We're, we're, we're against government because of the, the, what it is that they represent and what it is that largely comes from them. If good things happen as a result, we don't go that bad. That's bad too. Um, but where I, where I disagree is I don't make the same comparison. So when you say we wouldn't disagree if someone chose on their own property to limit who came there, that's correct, but that's not what government's doing. They're not just saying we aren't letting them on. They, they first said we own all of this. We mm-hmm. own something like 27% of the landmass of the United States, something some, somewhere around that, like a quarter of it used to be higher, but it's like, you know, 20 something percent of the land, including, and we have full jurisdiction over any way to come into or leave the country. Now, having said that, here are our restrictions as to who can or can't enter, because they're not flat out saying no one can come in, no one can leave. They have all these different rules that are in place that we would have a problem with anyone doing. And that's yes. why we have a problem with government doing it. So, and again, we both recognize that this isn't the right way to do it, right? Th- that's why this is going to be largely a, a disagreement on, on nuance, because we both recognize this system sucks. It's yeah. terrible. It's not working. And what we need is privatization. But what do we do in the meantime? I will argue that saying that government should be able, that because the private property owners because part my uh, the understanding my understanding of this argument is that because they have seized this property that would have otherwise belonged to other people they're basically imposing 
other people on these commons, including the the crossing into and out of the border, um, which would have gone against the will of many of those people who wouldn't have wanted them otherwise on that property. But we could continue going with that. I wouldn't want uh, a bunch of people traipsing through my property that I don't know with guns. Does that mean that the government shouldn't allow us to carry firearms on public property? I, I, I don't think that it is a government program to tell us that we are allowed that they won't bother us in doing something it's wrong that they even claim the authority to do it in the first place or to tell us whether we can or cannot in the first place but i believe that if they are to claim that authority as we're trying to convince as many people as possible that they shouldn't have that authority in the first place at the very least we should be advocating for if that's your position that you have that authority then you should be using that authority to say that we're allowed to do it and that that's my take on that Right. So I, what I will agree on is that I think what libertarians uh, should always be pushing toward is libertarian ends. And so whatever you're advocating for in the meantime, you should always make clear, like don't fall short at the short term solution and always right. be advocating for the long term goal, which is the abolition of the state and privatizing everything and voluntarism mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. But, you know, like, you're right that when the government does this, it's going to do all of this messed up stuff along with it. There's no mm -hmm. question about that. And, and I completely agree. And I would not in any way, I would never support um, uh, uh, caging people, separating families, anything like that, because there's just no justifying that from a libertarian position. The only right. thing I'll say is that I do not support open borders, and I don't think we have to. And the point you made in, in your opening, when you were like, you know, believing in the immigration control is believing that um, all of these evil people who run this evil organization are going to do a good job with this, even though they fail at everything else. I get your point there. I, I mean, I feel that. And I know they won't do a good job at this. And of course, it's run by these evil people. And you have the system we have now, you know, of course, yeah. which is just a disaster from every level, a disaster, the current immigration system with e the bureaucracy to let people uh, immigrate legally and the brutal enforcement on some people and then the complete unenforcement of other people who come in. It's like the worst case in every direction. Um, but I'd say this. So just for an example, right? So I was arguing with um, someone on Twitter the other day. I actually, the other day I argued with a libertarian. You argue on Twitter? I don't, I don't usually do that. it. Every now and then. I don't then, believe like that's true. Twice a year. Okay. I could learn something from Spike in terms of not getting into these arguments, but you know, I just, <laughs> it's my weakness. I can't stand bad libertarian arguments. Um, yeah. But uh, um, so I was arguing with a guy in the libertarian party who's certainly not a fan of mine. And I had made, I, I, this was one of the controversies I kicked up where I, I basically said uh, kind of along these lines that I was like, look, I don't think, um, homeless people and drug addicts should be allowed in public areas that are designated for children. I don't think they should be allowed there. And that's kind of the same way. I don't think they should be allowed in public schools. I don't think they should be allowed in public playgrounds. And he was arguing with me. He's like, oh, so you'd have, why don't you want me like, in the playground, man? What's the, what's the big Mark, deal? Stay away from my kids. <laughs> I love you like a like brother. Slides, stay like... away from them. Um, so I, and I, and he was like, oh, so you're judge dread now. So you just want, you don't care if the cops beat these people up or blah, 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 or kill them or all of this. And I was like, well, no, I didn't say any of that. I was just saying they should be removed. And, and I asked him, so in, in the same sense that I guess I would ask you, you know, if, if you're saying like, well, the, the government is run by all these evil people, would you want them? And I, I said, would you advocate that police stop arresting violent criminals? Like just stop arresting murderers, no. rapists, all of this. But so, so the point that I was getting at with that with him was I go, look, if we want to be pure libertarians about this, 
And, and, and his response was like, no, of course you can, like any libertarian would say. And he goes, but they get their trial, they're presumed innocent until guilty, and then they face a jury of their peers. And I was like, yeah, but if you want to be pure libertarians about this, you're saying that a criminal gang like that, that just harasses, kidnaps, robs, and kills people on a regular basis can kidnap an innocent person described by you as an innocent person, because they haven't been convicted yep. in a court, an innocent person right. and hold them against their will, enslave them for weeks, maybe months, maybe years until they face a trial, which is not a legitimate trial. It's a government trial. We know how many people are railroaded by the criminal justice system every day. They're going to get a government appointed, either either appointed by a politician or democratically elected. And we know how flawed that system is, judge. Yes. Yep. And then he's going to decide, you know, how, what evidence is allowed and what isn't, and then we'll decide if we can. Like this whole system is corrupt, of course, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that libertarians have to say because we know the system is evil that nothing, no restriction. We must support cops not arresting murderers and rapists. And so, in the same sense, you are right that of course the government enforcing the borders is going to lead to all of this disaster. Uh, that's why we're anarchists. But also, even angry Mark's an anarchist, even at his angriest, <laughs> he's an anarchist. But the point is that even though we know that, that doesn't mean we have to support an open free-for-all. That doesn't mean that I have to say, hey, a state college should let the f middle school dropout in the same, I don't know if you can drop out of middle school, but the same as they'd let the valedictorian in. That doesn't mean that I have to say that some random hobo should be allowed to walk into a public school. Like, no, the truth is that for while there is government property, as much as we don't like it, I think that it is better off that they treat it in some way that is more like the way it would be treated if it was private property. I will grant you, Spike, that is not a perfect solution. And you can apply that in bad ways, and it has to be applied within reason. But to just say this principle doesn't exist, and it must just be open, I think, again, and I, maybe I'll get into it later, but it's like in the same way that I think the essence of the reason why libertarians recognize that police have to be able to arrest violent criminals, the same reason why we acknowledge that random people can't walk into public schools and just not just anyone should get into a yep. state school, is that we know it would be a disaster if we didn't have those rules. And I, I haven't gotten into making that case, but I, I will make the case if we want to that it will open borders will be a disaster if we if we just I, have it under current circumstances. And, and Spike, like Spike I'll, I'll let you, I, I will oh. let you respond to that, but I also want you to maybe include, because I think one thing that we might want to clear up along the way here is what each of you actually mean when you say open borders. So Spike, you're advocating for open borders within this context. So maybe within the context of responding to Dave here, you can more define what you mean by open borders as well. Like, do you mean Ellis Island? Do you mean zero borders? If you could just maybe right. find that, it would help us. Okay. So, and, and actually in addressing what he said, I was going to do that. And I do think it, it we need to move into the consequential conversation because sure. there is no app. You can talk in absolutes, but the reality is it, it because we're talking about libertarian ends, it's inevitably going to have to talk about the, the, you know, the brass tacks in between. Right. So your question about are you know, should we, because government owns the schools, because government owns, you know, these different things, should we allow a, you know, uh, uh, a sex offender, you know, 50, 60 year old sex offender to walk into a uh, school with a, you know, no child there or anything and just hang out in the bathroom because it's public property? No. And, and this is the difference between, as you said, what, you know, Rothbard and others would talk about the difference between abolition and privatization. 
we want schools. Yes. We want education. We want security. We want protection of our lives and our rights and property. And very few of us think that all of that is going to be provided. All protection is going to be provided or all education is going to be provided by individuals doing it for themselves. We're not islands. We're going to want civil societies. Our societies are going to look strikingly similar to how how they are today. The difference is they're going to be run better because they're going to be run by private stakeholders who have an actual vested interest in providing value to others. Right. So in in the meantime, the question becomes, well, okay, if we recognize that there are things that should or should not exist, how should they be run in the meantime? You're going to have a hard time finding any libertarians who think there shouldn't be any schools, including private schools. So while government is claiming the authority over these schools, obviously they should be allowing the parents to be making as much choice as possible on these things. And I guarantee you the parents don't want 60-year-old child molesters waltzing into the, the cl- into the school, especially if they don't have any kid there to begin with. Exactly. Uh, We agree 100% on that. The question becomes, if we're looking to the model of a free society, which would not be a country of 330 million people, it's going to be a collection of different free association societies. Would those free association societies say that, well, within the remains of what used to be the U.S. government border, we'd like to have an authority that decides, and then we'll all have to democratically vote on it, on who decides on who is or isn't allowed to come in. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think that what would happen in that case, so I think that that's something that would actually be an abolition. Part of abolishing the state is abolishing the state's borders and replacing it with private borders, with private free association borders. So going to Mark's question about the, uh, you know, what, what when I say open borders, what do I mean? What I mean is that right now, as the government uh, has this control, presumes to have this control over it, then they should not be telling people that they can't come in. I'm even okay with like an Ellis Island approach of saying, and, and, and in the same token, they shouldn't be telling us that we can't leave without getting permission from them. It's both ways. Um, in the in the token, which by the way, that's what the country was for the first hundred years of its existence. There was no, they had not, there was no Ellis Island was after a hundred years of like just straight up open borders. If you weren't an invading army, you were allowed to come in and leave uh, as you wished. Um, they had very strong restrictions on who could be a citizen, but when it came to coming in and leave, they didn't care. Um, it, I'm even okay with like an Ellis Island type of approach where it's like, all right. Who are you? Where did you come from? Let's make sure you don't have like TB or, you know, some kind of, you know, virulent illness. And if you do, we're going to quarantine you until you're not uh, unwell anymore. And now you can go about your business. And same thing, you know, leaving and, and, you know, try to try to work out agreements with other countries where we'd have the same thing. That's basically what open borders means within the within the context of explaining why government sucks not just at this but at everything else and we do better ourselves without having the you know sociopaths and pedophiles telling us how to do things that's what i mean by open borders i do not mean the government resettling people from other countries here i do not mean the government creating situations that lead to surges of people coming here who would not have come here otherwise i don't mean any of that in fact i mean eliminating all of that i mean if someone chooses to come here on their own volition that uh, they be allowed to come or at least have some kind of, uh, you know, basic screening, not the screening we have now, which is most people are not eligible to come here, but basic screening of, you know, what your name is or whatever, or just allowing the free association of people inside the, you know, inside of their claimed borders to suss all that out to begin with. 
that that's what I'm proposing. All right. Well, that's what Spike is proposing. But what I am proposing right now on this quick little break is that you consider investing with our friends at I Trust Capital. These guys are the number one best place to invest in cryptocurrencies for your future. You can protect those gains, protect that growth by investing through their traditional IRA structure. And there is just no better place to buy cryptocurrencies to pay the lowest fees to get the most competitive rates. In fact, if you join right now through our affiliate link, they are waiving their monthly fees. You're not even going to pay monthly fees uh, for this service. So head over to itrust.capital slash lions. Guys, if that all wasn't enough, I have something else for you. That's right. They're now going to give you, give you, give you $100 in Bitcoin when you sign up again using our link. That is itrust.capital slash lions. Invest in your future, protect yourself, and don't let the tax man get a hold of them gains. Just the response to any of that, or did you want to take it? So, so you can respond to that. I I just was hoping like within that response as well, kind of like I did with Spike, if you could maybe include, you know, because you know, Spike kind of laid out his description of how he sees open borders. But earlier you mentioned, you know, you wouldn't want to see things like, you know. Oh, wow. We lost the host. That's wow. a, you wouldn't want to see things this? like open borders. And then wow. just, oh, man. Well, I mean, I guess wow. I have to wait for Mark to get back to, to continue this. <laughs> what, so uh, I, I, do you mind if I ask you a question? Yeah, I, sure. Let's do it. Well, Mark's not here. I just want to make sure I understand what your position is on what is the obviously we both want the same thing i'm back back. back. (laughs) you guys seem like you're doing fine so (laughs) well spike was about to ask me a question we figured we could keep it going without all right yeah just so what was your what was your thing that you were going to say that you wanted me to lay out what my position on borders would would be while we have the status wow this is just going to keep happening while we have the status quo that we have now what would you want that to look like right now if not this well, I mean, certainly nothing like this. I mean, this is just a complete disaster, but I wouldn't advocate for just like an opening of the borders immediately. And 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 we could get into this maybe a little bit more uh, throughout the, the discussion, but I think that the reality of the situation is that what libertarians are worth right now is what we're advocating for. I mean, aside from seizing like local power, like it's not like we have the power to change what's actually happening at the border or not. So what we're worth is just giving the correct position and what it should be. So I think I wouldn't advocate for undercurrent situations opening the borders, but I would look, obviously what I'd advocate for primarily is um, a private property society and all of that, what we agreed on. What in the meantime, what I'd advocate for is anything consistent with libertarianism that won't that, that is consistent with libertarianism from my perspective, all of these things that will work really well in the real world that we both agree with, ending the war on drugs, ending public schools, ending the welfare state, ending the coups in Central America, ending the intervention in, in, in Mexico and Central America, all of this stuff of I'd advocate for. I will actually say that I think as a reasonable compromise position, uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe, who I, I know is, is demonized by a lot of people, but he, he proposed something that I think is very reasonable, which would be an invitee system where you invite and sponsor somebody and anyone invited and sponsored by an American citizen uh, can, can come in. Look, the truth is that but to me, from the libertarian uh, point of view, as best we can approximate it under a status paradigm, yes, as a lot of libertarians will say all, all the time, they go, well, if I want to have someone on my property... I mean, what, do you have any right to tell me that I can't invite that person to my property? And the truth is no, of course I don't have any right to say that. However, 
when 100,000 Haitians just show up at the border, that's a very different thing. No one invited them onto their property. And by the way, this isn't, I, I, I know there's a lot of binary thinkers who want to like turn this into me being like, so you have no sympathy for these people who came over here. It's not that I don't have sympathy for these people. I have, I do. It's, I, I have sympathy. If four homeless people showed up at my door tonight and want to spend the night, I'd have sympathy for them. I'm also not letting them in because this home is, is mine and it's for my wife and my daughter and my son. And like, I'm not letting them in, but I'm just saying those people weren't invited to somebody's property. That's a different situation. And so I would just say that to, to Spike's point that you made before about, well, look, we can, we can reasonably assume that the parents wouldn't want some 50-year-old sex offender coming into the public school. And, and of course, that's right. But, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find an issue that more Americans are united on than being opposed to open borders. And, and I don't know if the, the people in the LP who support open borders r- realize what an albatross around their neck this issue is. That, that people do, I mean, it's actually kind of hard to get polling data on who supports open borders because they don't even ask the question in most of these polls because it's just so it's it's around 90 percent who oppose it's somewhere in that ballpark it's hard to get the exact number I, I, there, there was one uh study recently where or not re- it was this year cato wrote up a whole piece on this where they were like 91 hold on i think i might have this in my phone if i could actually pull it up but cato wrote a thing and they were like something like 91 percent of people this is what cato proclaims 91% of people welcome immigration. That's that's Cato's proclamation, right? Except if you then you'll see all these people from Cato who are telling me I'm not a real libertarian because I don't support open borders. And like, look, 91% of people support uh support immigration, welcome immigration. And only 9% say they want no immigration. Zero. No one coming in. So that sounds kind of nice until you look at it and you realize that 68% of people said low levels of immigration. said no, and 23% said high. But what exactly that means is not clear. Now, there was one study that said, do you support open borders or something close to it in 2018 that got just a little under 20%? My guess is during the, after the pandemic and all of this, that would be way lower. Um, But if you're talking about what people support, this is why even progressive left-wingers won't actually say, I'm for open borders. So now, again, I would not be against, look, I'm for legalizing heroin. I'm not against being for a position that isn't popular, if it's the correct libertarian position and it will make the world a better place. And I can make the argument that this is the correct position and here's why it will actually work out being better. But I don't believe that about open borders. I think it's not the correct libertarian position, and it will and it will make the world a much worse place. Libertarians, we believe in peace. It, it, peace is synonymous with libertarianism. It's another way to describe our philosophy. It's another way to describe non-aggression. Uh, is peace? That's on a grand scale. That's war. On a minor scale, that's assault. That's violence. That's uh, aggressive violence. All of this. There. If you were to open the borders in the United States of America under current circumstances. And you can have all of these kind of like, you know, I know there's like the Cato studies and all these people who will say, you know, if everyone opened their borders, global GDP would double. I I will tell you, this is as goofy as epidemiologists telling you that they know, they have models to tell you how many, you know, COVID cases there will be next year at this time, or climate scientists telling you what the temperature will be in 80 years. This is your, your, any, any libertarian and certainly any Austrian should understand 
that you are predicting human action in the future with near infinite variables and factors. And you do not know what's going to happen in the future. And you, this is one of the major arguments that the right-wingers made uh, during the rise of the populist movement that I thought was a very good point, is that they go, oh, really? Immigration is going to improve everything? Well, look at what's happening in this country. Look at what's happening in this country. Look at California. It's the most immigrants in the country. There's the, they also have the most poverty in the country and the most homeless people in the country. Those things aren't unrelated. And the, the idea that, look, what what... The, those Cato studies are, would treat this the same as if it was the 1870s or the 1930s or the 1980s or 2022. And the truth is that what you're doing is you're importing people into a white-hot culture war with a spiraling out-of-control economy, with the rise of totalitarianism from the COVID regime, and the death of an empire. And if you tell me you have the exact prediction on how that's going to work, like, I'm sorry, no, you don't. You actually don't. And, and here's my best guess, not a, a guarantee of what the GDP will be if there's open borders. My guess is that we'd go from, what, what do we get, an average year, about a million immigrants, a few hundred thousand uh, illegal immigrants on top of that. No one really knows the number, but something like that. It's not as if you're going to have, okay, I'm sorry, I'm taking too long, but let me just make this point. Spike, you made a re, and, and you can take as long as you want after this, because I know I'm, I'm too long-winded, but Spike was arguing the other day online with one of the people who I would define as deranged, but a critic of mine and the Mises Caucus. And I really appreciated this moment where Spike was arguing, uh, or going, not arguing, but going back and forth on Twitter with this guy. And he was basically like, won't you denounce the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire tweet about this? And Spike was like, yeah, I will. I don't like that. I think it was a bad tweet. And then he's like, well, how come you don't speak up about that the same way you did about what happened in New Hampshire, the theft? And Spike was like, well, because I see a slight difference in a bad tweet and theft of assets and purging yeah. members from the Libertarian Party. Yes. Like, I just see a difference right. in that. And then it just kept going back and forth. And eventually Spike just kind of had it with the argument. And he went, look, enough of this argument. The Mises Caucus isn't going anywhere. What's your plan? What's, what's your plan to like deal with them? Because you got to out-recruit them or out-persuade people or out-fundraise them or something. Because it can't right. just be this. You have to have something. And in a similar vein, and I really appreciated that, by the way, which is what, kind of where I am with those people. It's like, okay, out-recruit us, out, you know, win the argument then. Um, but in the same sense, I'd go, look, libertarians have to, to, to live in the real world, not in our abstract principles, in the real world. The racialist, uh, progressive establishment is not going to be vanquished tomorrow. The populist nationalist right wing is not going to be vanquished tomorrow. Now, if we just opened the borders, when Joe Biden came in, there was a surge in immigration, not because we opened the borders, just because the perception among some was that he wouldn't be as tough as Trump, which isn't even true, as we all know, but that, that was the perception. So immigrants surged. If we just said no restrictions, open borders, I think it is very reasonable to assume in the next year we'd have 10 million immigrants come in the year. It, it come, maybe more. It might be 20. I don't know. Who knows exactly? It's a guess. What do you think the right-wing reaction to that would be? What do you think the left-wing reaction to that would be? Do you see this as something that would work out well and bring us closer to the society that we want? Because I see 
sure guaranteed disaster. And I will advocate for heroin being legal, even if it's unpopular, but I will not advocate for something. If I believe in peace, I will not advocate for something that I am, I am convinced will destroy our society. Well, like, and I have Spike, apologize I, I, for, well, for the, yeah, going too long. Spike, I will let you respond to that. Uh, but I, I think we can kind of incorporate that answer into you guys did each provide me a couple of questions beforehand for each other. And I think basically what Dave's saying here can be summed up in one of the questions Dave gave me for you. And his first okay. question he gave me. Who do me you think you, you are? That was my question. <laughs> who do you think you are? <laughs> who, 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 who do you, do you think, think you are? <laughs> and what's your problem? Um, now, uh, his first question was, if you could push a button, it's the, the Murray Rothbard button, basically, but just about borders. If you could push a button and open the borders right now under current circumstances, would you? And you can, you know, yes. extrapolate yes. why, I, I, I'm, why not a, I'm not a particular orderist. Um, yeah, another thing that, that Dave has asked in the past, would you open, uh, would you end the welfare state if the lockdowns were still in place? Would I end the one thing that is making lockdowns tolerable for people and would ensure that everyone start engaging in black and gray market economics to make sure that they can make ends meet and completely eliminate the underpinning, one of the most large underpinning arguments behind why the state should even exist? Who's going to take care of the poor? Would I get rid of that if I could? I'd, get, I'd smash that button in, in 10 seconds. If there were a button to eliminate any aspect of the state, I would do it. Um, and the reason I would do that is because I recognize that out of one of two things happens, either the thing I've eliminated did not need to exist, in which case, good, it's gone, or what need what was eliminated does need to exist. They've done a terrible job at it. And now because, you know, in this hypothetical, I've smashed the button and it's going to go away and never come back, that inevitably creates the the need and the incentive and necessity for us as private actors to come up with our solution for that thing, which is inevitably going to get better. So all of these amount to, would you peel, would you pull back the Band-Aid knowing that there's going to be backlash, knowing that there's going to be issues? And the answer to that on any of those questions is yes. Either it shouldn't have been done in the first place or it'll be done better by private actors. And, and we can judge, and like you said, you want to talk about the consequences of, of immigration, large amounts of immigration, small amounts of immigration, let's do it. Whatever you think that is, something that needs to be handled by private actors in another way or something that needs to be abolished entirely, yes, I would completely get rid of it. And I'm glad that you mentioned earlier the fact that popularity should not be a bellwether. Because I, I hear that a lot on, on two things, uh, immigration uh, and uh, from people on the right, I hear that the thing that's holding us back uh, is our opposition, you know, our support of, of uh, you know, open migration and into and out of and uh, and our support for a bodily autonomy when it comes to uh, abortion and, and being opposed to a war on abortion. I hear from the left that the only thing holding us back is our absolutist position on the right to keep and bear any arms. I hear from people on the center that, you know, we're too extreme when it comes to the position X or position Y. I mean, if you did opinion polling, we know that, I mean, there's been opinion polling that as much as 80 or 90% of Americans support background checks for firearms. We don't even think the government should know if we own a firearm. You think that's popular? Uh, you know, you mentioned legalizing heroin. I don't think any of us can argue right now, at least, that legalizing heroin is particularly popular. How about ending the entire U.S. government, or all government? And eliminating the the concept of the state, I think ninety percent. If we could see that ten percent of Americans in a poll said that they agree with that, I'd actually be uh, happy with those results for now. Yeah. I think it's actually much lower. So I'm I'm glad you already addressed that. That we shouldn't be appealing to popularity here because our positions right now are not very popular. At least many of them are not. Um, 
So I think it probably is better to dive into, because what we're at loggerheads here on is, would this be good or would it be bad? And like you said, we are largely predicting, and the best way to predict is to go from previous results, but none of us can say, I can't claim, nor would I claim, that it's going to be some vaunted utopia if we allow open migration. Uh, in the same way that I would argue that you can't say it's going to be an unmitigated disaster. We really don't know. We have to look at, at previous results. And that's when we have to look at, this is when I pull out the stats about the fact that I've, I've looked at multiple studies about, uh, for example, welfare use among immigrants. And I've seen everything from, you know, immigrants are roughly as likely as native born Americans uh, to use uh, welfare. And it also depends on how they define welfare. Yeah. Uh, and I've heard things saying that they're as much as 40 percent less likely, like nearly roughly half as likely as native born Americans. And I've heard everything in between. Um, I, I, I will admit when it comes to welfare. The irony of uh, a, the government raiding a private business that is hiring people who are using a fake social security number, which means they're paying into social security and not you know, ever going to take anything out from it because they were using someone else's number. And then taking them from that and instead putting them in a, in a sh shelter uh, where it can cost hundreds of dollars per person per day to keep them there, far more expensive than the most lavish of welfare yeah. systems here or anywhere else on earth. Uh, and again, I know you're not arguing for that, sure. but I'm but, you know, I don't see I'm not seeing the compelling evidence that many migrants coming here is going to lead to a vast, massive uh, scaling up of the welfare state. Or yeah, but for, for the record, that's or, not my argument. I mean, like, I, okay. I mean, there there is an argument to be made there. I mean, look, like if you I, I don't know, in New York, I know that the, the average uh, per, uh, cost is twenty thousand dollars per year per student in, in public schooling. So right. just that I mean, if an immigrant comes with a family of three, they're already taking 60 grand a year out of the system. But but that's not my argument. That's really not my point. And and just to be clear, the only reason why it's not that um, I, I would appeal to popularity. The point is that if we agree that what we want is a private society where borders, like say communities are, are privately owned and the borders can be as open or as closed as people want to, and you're trying to approximate what would like, what is the will of the people here? And you realize that something in the ballpark of 90% of people do not support open borders, something between 80 and 95, it's somewhere in that range, do not support open borders. Then I think that lets you know that, that by the government having mandatory open borders, and of course, then the open borders also lead to open government roads and government parks and government schools and all hospitals, which by the way, are compelled by law, can't turn them away. Also, landlords can't turn them away. Like all of these compelled rules, then you you do, it does kind of indicate that this is an egregious violation of the will of these communities. And, and by the way, I, I should say, it's not the wealthy communities. They don't have a problem with this, which is why you see everybody in Hollywood and everybody like in the corporate press saying, oh, this is so abhorrent, the idea of immigration restrictions. And then at the same time, you see who's coming out for Trump, whose complete central issue was build the wall. It's the, these burly, you know what I like, like coal miners and stuff like that who are supporting him. He carried the working class. And then, of course, the corporate press in the most uh, insidious, like, demeaning term they refer to them as non-college educated voters 
you know? But it's like, yeah, oh, yeah th- no, that's they, right. They, they, Those are the people, the working class of America. They have no say. They have no say in who's going to school with their kids. And I understand where libertarians can say, well, my heart bleeds for the immigrant coming from the third world. And it doesn't for that that white guy who just doesn't. Yeah, that's but you know what? what? No, I know that's I'm not, not what you're saying. That. Well, look, you were arguing against what I'm not saying. And I'm arguing against what you're not saying. So we'll meet in the middle <laughs> at some point. But I'm just making the point that the libertarian position is that relationships should be consensual, that both parties should consent to the relationship. And it, it, to mm-hmm. me, it's overwhelmingly clear that, no, the American people are not consenting to open borders. That's not what they want. And I, I will say that, you know, you can, you can point out some of these other issues. And, and, and by the way, even leading with anarchy, as you didn't during the campaign, I don't think would be a good way to lead during a campaign. I don't, I don't think the first thing you should get up there and say is, hey, I believe in anarchy and I want to abolish the entire government. I don't think that's a good way to start. I think a good way to start would be to talk about issues that we can get everybody on board with. And, but you have a damn good libertarian case for anarchy. You have a damn good libertarian case for unrestricted gun rights and a damn good libertarian case for uh, heroin being legal. I don't think we have a damn good libertarian case for just opening the borders right now under current uh, conditions. And so uh, the way I see it is that it's like it's like we have this golden opportunity right now. And what I care about and what I know you care about, Spike, is building a huge liberty movement. And we actually can do that right now. And me and you are two of the bigger guys who are doing that. And to say, listen, we oppose vaccine passports and shutdowns and mandates and all of this stuff and the corporate bailouts and the wars and the, the we could and the Fed and and audit all this crazy monetary policy and the inflation. There's this huge appetite for that. And we could start a huge movement. And it is the most libertarian shit ever to say. And we also have to attach open borders to that. We also have to attach this thing that really doesn't exist anywhere but, in the world I, and, and nobody's on board with, except members okay. of the LP, evidently. Well, but again, it, it, most people aren't on board with any of our ideas. And so we don't say, no, but for those example, ones I just uh, mentioned, okay, they are. Okay, but hold, they are. I, I, I understand okay. that. But what I'm saying is I don't lead by saying, hey, everyone, I'm Spike Cohen. I want to legalize heroin. I yeah, lead if we're talking about, if we talk about. Maybe if we're talking about drugs, I talk about how the war on drugs, Next. the consequences of the war on drugs. I don't come in and say, hi, everyone, I'm Spike Cohen, and I think everyone should be walking around with machine guns and grenades if they want to. I say the consequences of the war on, on of guns. In the same token, if I'm talking about migration, I don't say, hey, everyone, I'm Spike Cohen, and if I could snap my fingers and 100 million people were here, I'd be A-OK with that. What I say is the consequences of the war on migration and how it uh, affects us. There are American citizens that are being affected by this. I didn't get a chance to talk about it uh, during the um, uh, during uh, the opening statement uh, because 10 minutes goes by in double time during opening statements. But there's a guy named Anis Aladi, and he is an American citizen. He came back into the U.S. Uh, they The Border Patrol detained him, said he was on a terror watch list. He wasn't, and no one by that name was on it. To this day, they've still never given an official reason why. Even in court, they never they refused to say why they held him. They just said they did. They held him for six hours in a cell that had no heat in freezing temperatures. He almost died in the cell. They had to take him to a hospital. He not only had the, the physical and psychological torture and trauma of going through that, but he has tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical costs as a result <laughs> of that. He took them to court. And they and the courts ruled you can't sue the Border Patrol. 
You can't sue the Border Patrol. Doesn't matter what they did to you. Doesn't matter if you're a U.S. citizen. And now that is case law. If some if we're crossing a border and that happens to us, there's nothing we can do about it. There's literally nothing we can do about it. Now, in the same way that talking about the consequences of the war on drugs and actually talking about it from that standpoint and how it can affect them and not just saying, well, you should be able to put whatever drug you want in your body and I don't care what happens, but talking about it from that standpoint, we watch how people are coming around to the idea of ending the war on drugs, even if they still continue not to like drugs. And we can do that with guns and with everything else. I believe that's also the way to do it. So if we're talking about prioritization or, or the best way to do messaging, I mean, I talk constantly about effective messaging because libertarians often do suck at messaging because we came here on philosophy and we think that works with everyone else. And it doesn't. You have to explain the consequences of this. And like I said, I'm, I've not seen the compelling data that tells me that if someone comes into this, if we allow people to come into this country, especially if we're also advocating for ending the reason that the surges are coming here, but even if not, that people coming to this country is going to be a net harm to all of us. Is there going to be reaction to it? 100% there's going to be right wing. Hold hold on, hold on. There's going to be right wing reaction. There's going to be left wing reaction to any of the things that we talk about. If we end, if we were able to effectively end vaccine passports tomorrow and end mask mandates tomorrow and end the, the threat of any lockdowns in the future tomorrow, there's going to be massive reaction to that. And there's going to be potential uh, uh, ancillary reactions as a result of that. The fact that that exists doesn't mean that we shouldn't continue to push for a less authoritarian government that is allowing us to have the free association we wish. And and again, letting someone come into cross a government border where they can then go and find someone who's willing to house them, someone who's willing to hire them, someone who's willing to do this and do that. That's not an imposition on you. If you don't want to house them, you don't want to hire them. You don't actually have to do that. No, you actually kind of do though, in lots of situations in lots of like, it's not as if landlords can refuse to hire someone because they're an immigrant. A public school can't refuse to teach some kid because they're an immigrant. A hospital can't turn someone away because they're an immigrant. So actually under current law, it is an imposition on them. And to say that, like, oh, if we were to repeal all of these COVID re- uh, 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 regime, you know, rules, it would be some crazy. Who knows what the reaction would be? Well, I don't know. I mean, there is 2019 as the example. Like, we literally just lived in a world without that. But, but Spike, are you really telling me after seeing the the just say the populist Trumpist right wing in America it, for the immigration we've had these last years? If we had 10 million immigrants come into the country in a year. I mean, what do you think would happen in this country? Like, I, I just don't see how anyone with common sense, I, I understand I don't have proof or a study to say this, but who could say, yeah, that would work out okay. There wouldn't be massive like chaos over that. And by the and then of course the left wing who would do nothing, like my, my point is that, look, if we had, if we didn't have a welfare state and we had a, a, a culture that kind of supported meritocracy and free markets and all of this stuff. And if we had like didn't have this crazy left wing and this crazy right wing, I could maybe see that working. But man, in the society we have right now to just push the button that would allow that to happen. I just don't understand how we'd look at that and not see the obvious writing on the wall, that this will be devastating for the prospects of peace. 
And, and Spike, there before are, you respond, before you respond to that, this does kind of lead to Dave's second question for you. So I think I'll just insert sure. that here, and then we'll go to sure, your sure, questions sure. for Dave. But his okay. other question for you, which he pretty much did allude to here, was: Is there any number of immigrants that, if you knew that amount would come in as a result of you opening the border with the button, that would make you change your mind? Like, like reducto ad absurdum. Can I even just make million, a question? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Like, like, let's just say, and I know this is reducto ad absurdum, like to to a, a crazy extent. But like, if you're just saying like that. We have a government and we have all these other programs and, and we have open borders. If, you know, whatever, if if uh, if Pakistan threatened to nuke India and 500 million, you know, uh, Indians are, are going to come over to America. I understand it's a ridiculous example, but like it is right. the reducto ad absurdum to prove the point. 500 million of them are going to come over here. Is it just is is the lesson here or is the libertarian principle that we'd have to support this? We'd have to say, yes, every American who clearly would not want this has to just say, well, you know what? Th them's the breaks and they're all going to come over here and and everything about our culture and our norms and our society are going to be in complete upheaval because I we we can't support one inch of government doing anything, even under the current paradigm. Okay, so I'm going to answer that the same way I answer when I have people tell me, what if COVID had a 99% fatality rate and vaccination was what much more effective? Or what if, you know, how many uh, dead school children would you be okay with before you were in favor of, of gun control? Which is why I'm not a favor of these, these reductive ad absurdum type of arguments. But the answer to that question is, that's not going to happen. First of all, your, your example of Pakistan threatening to nuke India, that happens all the time. And India threatens to nuke Pakistan. And the, there are things that happen all the time. There's constant unrest. There's never been a situation in which that kind of surge of people even comes here in the first place. You're hard pressed to get someone uh, to move from California to get away from uh, lockdowns. There are so many people there that, that hate the situation. And yet they don't move a state or two over immediately. There are some that do, but you don't see this huge surge of tens of millions of people that are escaping from this because there's a level of inconvenience in doing so. Which brings me back to what you were talking about with the forced association. Obviously, we're all we're against forced association. But would you use that argument to say that people from California shouldn't be allowed to go to Texas or that on the on the opposite side, that te people from Texas shouldn't be allowed to go to South Carolina like, or that people from South Carolina shouldn't be able to go to I'm, New York? I'm and, a, and if the I'm, and hold on, if the sure. answer to that is no, then would that mean that if the answer to that is no? Then are we saying that, well, because they're citizens, they're granted special rights and privileges on being able to, to you know, whether we're okay with them doing that or sure. not. So, so, I mean, I, I but, so, but so to, to the question clear, of, of 500 million people coming here, that's not something that actually happens. No, it's, it, it's likely not, but it is a reducto ad absurdum. And, and I think there is a use for that in these thought experiments. And, and to your question about like, well, what if COVID had like a 90%, you know, a, a, a death rate or something like that go, yeah, I think that actually would justify a lot more of the crazy policies. I think the fact that it doesn't is why kind of, I wouldn't. Yeah. I'm okay. Fair enough. But to your question about do I think that would it be legitimate for there to be restrictions moving within the states or are there special rights? I mean, no, my whole point here is that I'm an anarcho-capitalist and I and you are too. And I believe that towns and cities or blocks and homes can be privately owned and their borders can be as closed as they want them to be. That is the libertarian position. And yes, if they didn't want people from other areas moving in or they had whatever criteria they wanted to, that is their right. It, I'm not saying that some people have rights that other people don't. 
all human beings have the same right to self-ownership, the non-aggression principle, private property rights. But that, yes, groups have the right to say that they don't want other people in. No one has the right to travel uninvited onto property that does not belong to them. So it's not, I'm not saying something about a two-tiered system. And absolutely, if someone in in Florida right now, if Florida was a private society and New York was a private society doing the crazy shit New York's doing and Florida's doing the reasonable shit Florida's doing, Florida said, we don't want New Yorkers in here. Yeah, yeah, it would suck for me. But yeah, they have the right to do that. And so in a, pri- I, in a private society, right? Yes, right, but, but that's we don't the have point. That. No, of course. And I'm saying like, but yeah, that's the point that like, yeah, there, there isn't like a, a two tiered system in terms of rights when it comes to that. Like, yeah, they, they, I wouldn't completely be against that. And if some town didn't want other people coming in, if, if the Amish don't want anyone non Amish coming in to their community, I, th- I think they have every right to have that position. And so I, I wouldn't be against that. So there's a lot of conflating between um, the the you know how it really is, and then the the hypothetical. When we're talking about the hypothetical, because I think we can both acknowledge the current status quo as authoritarian as it is, as uh, restrictive as it is, and infringing on the rights of everyone, including U.S. citizens, as it is, it still hasn't worked. There's millions of people here illegally. So if 100%. we're saying that this is you know, again, I'm not even claiming that I think that people coming here and not paying taxes is a problem because that's actually what we all want to be. Um, but all that aside, if the if if we're even saying that this is a problem that needs solving, it's not working, which means one of two things either. And again, this is in the actual reality of how it ends up working. Either they have to be given more power to to uh, infringe even further on us in the hopes that it's going to work this time or when they get that power. They're either going to use draconian measures, but it finally works. But we're also that much less free. Oh, and by the way, this is the same government that's deciding whether or not they're going to let us go outside. And we've given them all this power or they use that against us and continue to let uh, people in or, or not even continue to let are unable to stop, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at a time from coming in. And we don't have to look in, in the hypothetical for that. Look at the protests that happened last year. And we had police that targeted protesters while letting rioters and looters yeah. run amok. And I would argue that they did it largely intentionally so that they could grandstand on the suffering of the people that were suffering under that to say, oh, and you want to defund us now? You want to make us accountable now? Look at look at what happens when we aren't more in control. I, I think, think that's right. Do that on I think that's right. No, I think that's right. And I did. I'll and let I'm you respond not... to that. And then I want to get to Spike's questions oh, for you. Okay. Respond okay. So okay. so I actually I think that's completely right. And to be clear, I'm not advocating giving the state any more power. In fact, I'd like to drastically cut down on the power. I'm not saying we create a border control where we don't have a border control. I'd like to abolish the Department of Homeland Security, abolish ICE. Ideally, I think immigration enforcement should be uh, uh, localized and decentralized as much as possible and let uh, let individual towns and cities and like they, let them have their own immigration policy. I think that would be much better than having a one-size-fits-all federal national immigration policy. But The point is, like, as you say to say, well, look, we know they're not doing a good job with that in the same way. We know that police are not doing a good job with with uh, dealing with violent crime. That's absolutely true. No question. That's why we're both anarchists. But we know that the state does not do a good job with the tasks that they are, you know, uh, uh, given. But the you don't get from that 
to the result to to, to like the the uh, conclusion being that therefore they shouldn't arrest murderers or therefore they shouldn't arrest rapists. So and, and by the way, I'm not like equating the two. It's a logical analogy I, for no, anyone who's going to like. I'm, I'm just saying that you don't right. you don't go from that saying they're doing a bad job to saying therefore. They should do nothing. Like, I, I I don't agree with that. So, yes, you're right. The state doing this, they're doing a terrible job at it. And, and as you, you kind of mentioned, it's like it's just like kind of the entire state of America. It's kind of this anarcho tyranny, this kind of corporatism where everybody, you know, like uh, in the same way with the economy that a left winger can look at it and say, well, this is capitalism because look at all the banker profits. And a right winger can look at it and say, well, this is socialism because look at all the government spending and they're both kind of right. But except they're both kind of wrong because it's fascism, right? Because it's fascism, In the same sense, with the border, we have the worst of open borders and the worst of closed borders at the same time. We have all these people sitting in these cages, and we also have no accountability for who comes in and who leaves uh, uh, the country. And so um, my only point is that the libertarian position is not – it's not a given one extreme or the other. I mean, the libertarian position is to privatize everything. But in the meantime – I think that the libertarian position isn't just open borders and anyone who wants to can come in. I think it's what best approximates a private society in the same sense that the libertarian position on who public schools should let in or who uh, state colleges should let in or who public parks should let in or all of that. It's what best approximates it. And that is not perfect. It's not going to be a perfect situation, no matter how you break it down. Nothing's perfect. There is no utopia. Yeah. No, but, but I mean, the, it's not a libertarian solution. A private property solution, a private property society would at least be a libertarian solution. It still wouldn't be perfect, but it'd be much better. But as long as a government exists, the best you can do is try to say, okay, the people who are invited into the country and, and like who are sponsored, okay, those people have a right to come in and it's a violation of the non-aggression principle to keep them out. And the people who just show up and are not invited and not wanted, they, the, the people do have a right to keep them out. And I know that second part is harsh. I understand where libertarians want to be the humanitarians in the room. I do too. I wish I hadn't learned all of this so I could just not have this view. But the truth is that even if people, if people are uninvited and the domestic population does not want them in, they shouldn't be allowed in. So that's- I, I have like, I'll let know, you respond to that. And then I'll, I'll and get then, to and then we'll ask okay. the questions. Yeah. Sure. So I, I have to note that both of the things you just advocated for, both the invitation-based system and the the decentralizing it, so that you know towns, uh, property owners, uh, states, you know, even within the status construct, mm-hmm. are still a, are able to on a on a, on their own basis decide. Both of those on a national level end up amounting to de facto open borders because if anyone can can sponsor and invite someone to come over, you don't think there are going to be nonprofits that that are propped up to invite the the you know however many thousand Haitians that are coming to to flee the war torn violence that the CIA escalated in their home country. I believe that that's definitely going to happen. So and honestly, if the, well, hold on, and then also the uh, and when it comes to the the Hoppe idea of well that was the invitation idea of the decentralization idea. If even one town 
or one county along that border says, yes, we can let pe- you can let people in, then they de facto are already in the country. And if every other uh, 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 county government has a hodgepodge, even once you're within the country of deciding whether you can enter that county or not, I'll be interested to see how that would be feasible within a status construct. But ultimately, if they're already here, within the 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 borders of of the presumed United States of America government uh, uh, jurisdiction, then that's de facto open borders to that extent. I think the you keep mentioning the best approximation. I believe that the best approximation is that the decision as to whether or not someone is welcome on your property should be decided by you. But that in the meantime, if there are people and whether it's through a uh, uh, invitation system, whether it's through uh, a decentralized system, whatever you want to call it. I think these are all different ways for saying open government borders, or at least an, o- an, an opening from in government borders for any for essentially anyone who is welcome to be able to come here. I don't see a, a delineation between. Okay, them. so let me just make it very clear. I'm sorry. Mark, I, I, just, think I, I, gotta, I, I gotta. Yeah, you just, can respond to that. I, I think Spike's question will lead to the quick. same. So the same it's thing. not the same. It's it's clearly not the same thing as open borders because number one, if you haven't been invited and sponsored, then you're not going to be allowed in. So clearly, right off the bat, it's a different thing. But what Hoppe is talking about, and maybe I should have made this clearer, when I say sponsored, meaning taking financial responsibility for that person. So if they become a burden on society if they are not working or whatever that you are responsible for the burden that they that's actually what we already have to do society. that's what i have to do so, with my wife and well my that's what some have to, but that's what some have to do like that's yeah, that's, that's that is already part that's of what the, the people are doing it for fam the, the people that really should be doing it the most exactly have to do. and that's the anarcho tyranny of all of it is that if you don't pay your taxes you will be punished but the guy who fucking, you know, carjacks somebody will probably never, you know what I mean, be like found out and the cops really don't care. That's kind of the, the whole essence of this. So, no, it's not just saying it's not the same thing as just saying, oh, it's an open flood of anyone who wants to come in can come in. It's clearly a different situation. And yes, there would. Here's my uh, essentially the point. Right. And this is what Hop is getting at, is that if the 10 percent or whatever, I, I recognize this is an exact number. But if the 10 percent of people who uh, who believe in open borders want to mm-hmm. say, We'll take the people into our property, we'll cover their healthcare costs, we'll cover their education costs, we'll cover all of this, and we'll deal. Fine. I'm a libertarian. I have no problem with them doing that. But that 10% of people don't get to decide that for the other 90% of people who don't want open borders. They don't get to say, oh, we'll say we're for open borders, and then you other 90% of people, you decide. And by the way, I think a disproportionate amount of the 10% of people who support open borders are not um, living in border towns or property owners or going to do any of this, but that's strictly a guess. So strike that from the record. But I I will say that that's the difference. We also, and and I, I appreciate that, there are also... Uh, owners of property along the border who, you know, are fighting the government to not enact and uh, construct a, a barrier on their property and seize their property to do such a thing. And I'm I mean, on their side. Again, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I will say that if when the question being government has this authority to tell you whether you can leave or enter, does the government, should the government be using that authority to be telling people they can't leave or enter? I think especially in the age of COVID, to give them yet another enforcement, again, knowing what that results in. There's no way that doesn't result in more authoritarianism. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree, Spike. But listen, if we give the government a monopoly on police where they can arrest violent criminals, we both know what that results in. 
It results right. in the authority, in, in the brutal authoritarianism of the police. I, I, I agree with that. But we still want the government to arrest murderers and rapists. I, I like I, I'm with you. This is why we're anarchists. But I'm not advocating to give the government the authority to arrest murderers and rapists. I'm saying they've already claimed this authority, and 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 they shouldn't like abdicate that that the ba- the most basic duty in it. So yes, it sucks. I wish they weren't the ones who had the authority to decide who comes in and who comes out. But while they do have that authority, they should best approximate what is actually desired by the property owners. And just to be clear, and you know this, and Mark, you know this, when we talk about property owners, it doesn't just mean the people who own physical land, because libertarians believe in the truest sense of the will of the people. And everybody's a property owner and we own ourselves, you know, and we own our things and we, we are all property owners and the people who actually own property businesses and land and all of this, they are in many ways subject to their consumers and the people they do business with. But the mm-hmm. best yep. thing we can approximate is what the will of the proprietors is. And the will of the proprietors is clearly not that we just have open borders and open government roads and open government schools and open government hospitals in effect and open government, everything. And, and the, the at this point, the reality is that we live in such a state of society that the government property takes you right up to the door of every individual person. And so we can say, well, you get to decide who's on your property. But if the government's already decided they can come right up to your door. And then all, all, also, by the way, the government's decided that you can't kick someone out. You can't not rent to someone. You can't not educate someone. You can't not treat someone in, in, in a hospital. Like That's not really an approximation of what a free society looks like. In my no, opinion. but none of this is a free, is an approximation of what a yes. free society looks like. Again, in the same token, allowing again using the same argument, allowing uh, people who are poor and on welfare who live here to have as many children as they want, using that argument that that's you know it's not a approximation of a free society that everyone here wants to pay for all those children who statistically are all or most going to remain on welfare or some amount of government yes. assistance at some point in their lives. But I don't believe that that is an argument to to restrict it or or to, you know, to to limit what they can th- what they can have to or limit the number of children that they can have in the in the meantime. And, yes, and I, I agree. You're saying, I agree. I, I get what you're saying. The difference between an authority that they already have and an authority that they're that they would have to be given. The government doesn't already have what it takes to do the thing that people are proposing to keep people out. They would need more power. They would need more authority. They would need more shelters, cages, camps, uh, 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 internment, whatever you want to call it. They would need more of that. They would need more money. They would need more enforcement agents, which actually that I guess at this point we can go to my questions because that it, it inevitably in. would lead to more of it. Yeah, okay. go, go, you can go ahead and ask the question. All right. So this is sort of it's kind of a choose your own adventure question because so the second question will be based on your for answer to the first. So the first question from Spike is, do you think government U.S. government borders uh, are best described right now as as open or closed? You know, that's that's a, actually a really interesting, tough question. I think I kind of said, uh, uh, um, as I addressed before, they're kind of both. I mean, I, I think that it's like you kind of have a situation where there is like if, I, if I'm uh, describing it as best I can, there is a brutal authoritarian force that it will uh, round people up that has these insane, you know, no constitution zones miles into our own shores that has these, you know, uh, uh, prison facilities where they lock people up and hold them. And at the same time, there's. 
I mean, I don't know. There's been hundreds of thousands of border apprehensions this year, and or not maybe not this year, but on the average year, I think this year, but not in 2020. They were down a bit, but before that, they they were way up. And then when Biden first came in, they were up. I, I don't exactly know how many people are coming in, so I don't. I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm really not trying to dodge the question, but I don't know if I could describe them as open or closed. I think they're the worst of both. Well, Spike, I will let you follow up since I did not have a question too for both as an, as an both. answer. <laughs> but, do yeah, get, but do you get but what I mean, I'm saying, is, though? Yeah. yeah, yeah do you, do yeah, you guys but, get so, what I'm saying? Like, Yes, we uh, yeah, we get what you're saying. But the, the way that my question was done was it was dependent on whether you said open or closed. So I guess <laughs> right, I'll so go, now I don't know what to do. I, I, yeah. So yeah, no, 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 who knows what to do now? So, uh, if, <laughs> well, we're I'll going, go we're, we're going pretty long, so we can, I'll let you respond to that. And then there's one other thing I want to ask both of you, and then we can maybe get into our closings where you can address be, anything else. Because you said both, I'm going to give you kind of a hybrid of both. <laughs> if it's both, do you think, and you've answered this, do you think it's working? And if it's not working precisely what, how much more power does government need or, or, or what additional authority does it need or what exactly is it that government needs to be able to, you know, again, in this transition period between the status quo and a stateless society, yeah, next week. what exactly, if we're, not, if we're not proposing that government allow us to make that final decision over whether someone's welcome on our property or not, and instead has some kind of imposition there, how much more or less or, or additional authority do you believe that they need to be able to make that the best, as you put it, a best approximation? Well, I mean, look, I don't, I, I don't think that the idea that open borders would be allowing, at least under current circumstances, current situations, would be allowing us to make the best approximation. I think it would be a, a, a compulsory opening of all of society, and closing the borders would be a compulsory closing of all of society. And and just to be clear, I think in a free society, you would have prosperity. There would be a huge demand for labor, and I think we'll have a healthy amount of immigration coming into the country. Um, so. Uh, Again, I I do not believe that my response, I, I don't think that just not being for completely open, completely unchecked, anyone who wants to come in can come in borders while we have this current situation is advocating for more government authority. Um, I think that I would advocate for much less government authority and much more decentralized government authority. And yeah, will they be able to stop everybody who's coming in? No, but probably, the you know, the the best way, the best method would be to not have open borders try to try if we're going to have a state try to impose something like the invitee system that uh, I, I was alluding to that Hoppe presented and really as we both agree on tr you know try our best and this is really my central message is that what libertarians should be focusing on is not saying hey we're for open borders this policy that isn't really libertarian that I think is going to be a disaster. Um, that most Americans think would be a disaster. Um, and I, I, you know, I think they're right about that. But what we should be addressing is all of the policies that are damn libertarian to end and will definitely make the situation better. So I would, I would argue for oh, a we drastic, agree 100% on that. right. Yeah. So, so I would argue for a drastic reduction in government power in terms of the war on drugs, 
in terms of coups in, in, in Central America, and particularly in terms of the intervention in Central America, in terms of the propping up the cartels or the opposition to the cartels, which leads to these civil wars that lead to mass amounts of people wanting to leave. But no, I don't think in a situation where you know, 100,000, you know, people show up to the border in one of these big caravans, and there's already the government enforcement there who's already monopolized this area and already taken it over, and they're there. I don't think the libertarian answer is, well, obviously, they have to just send them in. I, that I don't agree If 100,000 so. people show up to a school or outside of a school, not hurting anyone or anything else, but heavily armed, or they show up to, you know, some other public property heavily armed. 99% of people are going to be against that. We don't say, well, that's what we want. We want 100,000 people to show up armed. Exactly. What, when we're given these kind of absurd arguments on what happened if, if someone did something like that, our answer is talking about what happens when you give government the power to try to stop something like that. But the difference is that work. I'm talking about a situation that happened a couple months ago. So I'm not talking about some hypothetical. I'm speaking in the real world of what just happened, where something in the ballpark of 100,000 Haitians showed up at the border. So I'm not just yeah. saying that, like, well, if 100,000, like, I don't know, dude, if, if 100,000 people, like, showed up outside my daughter's school or my son's school, they're both too young to go to school. But if, if one of them showed up outside of there, I would probably be willing to use any means necessary to put those people down and get my kids out of that situation because I don't know what their their intentions are. Now, that I mean that's a different situation, but no, I don't think that would justify no one being allowed to own guns and I don't think those Haitians showing up justifies no one being allowed to enter the country. But I do think it's a pretty big justification for, you know, like saying like yeah, that's a bad situation and we should probably have something in place to prevent that. And and I will just say like I don't know if it's ever been addressed throughout this conversation, Spike, but it, if we're going to say that the government property that they've already controlled the border should just be open to anyone, and if you're arguing that from a moral libertarian principle, like, why exactly? Because earlier in the conversation, you said that, well, it, the reason why they couldn't go into public schools is because we know that most of the parents would be against that. But why exactly? Because this is the point that I brought up that I think is the crux of my whole argument. Why is it that if that's the case, shouldn't state schools be open to everybody? Shouldn't all go, shouldn't shouldn't a public library allow someone who wants to come in and yell obscenities? Like why why is it is it ever okay for government to restrict people or do we have to just say no on government property? Anyone can do whatever they want to, you know, assuming not that they're not violent or something like that, but anyone can do whatever they want to and no one can ever be removed. No one can be excluded. Yeah. So I wasn't saying it's because the parents would be against it. It's because I was I said that as a side note that they also okay. would be against that. I was saying that the reason that that wouldn't be allowed is because the purpose of a school is for children of various ages to go to the school and be taught at the school. And so this is an issue of what's happening while government has that authority. I this is a I think the fundamental disagreement between us is what is is that you're saying that because the government has control of this border, they have some kind of a moral authority uh, to decide who can enter or not enter, putting aside the fact that they're terrible at that. And I would argue they also don't have that moral authority, nor do I think that that's a, an approximate approximation of what we as individuals want when it comes to our communities, what we want. And I don't know people who are saying 
that I, I don't know a lot of people. And again, I don't live in a, in a incredibly wealthy community or anything like that. I don't know a tremendous amount of people who are saying, you know, I want there to be some kind of enforcement of, of who can come through this street or whatever else. What we're doing is when government, when we're giving government this, this control of what otherwise would be a series of either thoroughfares or privately owned property and saying, well, government should have a line there and we'll let them decide what it is. That inherently goes against what we believe. And against, again, going back to, because we, we keep going between the philosophical and the, and the real of what happens. We have as authoritarian of a border as exists outside of places like China or North Korea. And it still hasn't resulted in, uh, in, in fact, if anything, it has empowered cartels. Every single argument one would make about drugs that, you know, uh, for example, you could say that it's a, it's a good approximation that most people wouldn't want, you know, drug addicts just, you know, lying out on the street, dying of heroin overdoses, and that they wouldn't want gangs taking over their streets and that they wouldn't want cartels smuggling a bunch of dangerous things in and, and, you know, and, and hurting people and, and fighting over turf and, and everything else. And that's true. And we wouldn't want that. But we don't say, well, then we need to let government make a, 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 a an approximation of, of how they would best handle what we want for safer streets and, and less drug use. That's what we have. It's called well, the we war do. on drugs, and it's made everything worse. No, no. Oh, okay, absolutely. Because you know, David, I'll let you respond to that, and then, then uh, okay. I think we'll get close to wrapping up. But we sure, yeah. we sure do on government property, and, and and it's completely reasonable for the government to say a public school teacher can't do heroin in the middle of public school class. You know, and it's completely reasonable to say that it, in a government building, if someone comes in and just starts smoking weed, they'll remove you for that. So yes, I agree with you that the war on drugs and and incarcerating somebody for what they own or or raiding somebody's home and their property and taking their self their own physical property and throwing them in a cage that's wrong but the again the result like to just say look we already have this now yeah you're right we have a pretty tyrannical border in some senses we have a pretty tyrannical police force in some senses but the 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 conclusion to that isn't to say therefore zero restrictions Therefore, they do nothing until we get to this Ancapistan, which is our ultimate goal. And so I think that it, like, as far as I'm concerned, and like, even your, your point with public schools to say that, like, okay, they're the purpose of the public schools is to teach children. Well, okay, we know they do a really shitty job at that. And we could also right. even debate like whether that's really the purpose. I think the purpose is kind of to indoctrinate children. And I think you'd agree with me. But uh, yes. yeah. but the purpose of the border supposedly is to delineate who's allowed to come in and who's not allowed to come in. And yeah, it's far from perfect. And and maybe what we could both agree on at the end of this is that like, yeah, like the, these decisions should be as decentralized and as localized to best approximate what the actual will of the people and the property owners are. Um, but if we're going with a government one size fits all, I still don't see why completely closing the borders is any more or less libertarian than completely opening the borders. I think they're, they would both be violations of libertarian principles and both result in a violation of the non-aggression principle in one direction or the other. Yeah, I, right, I, I disagree, Spike, but I know we're going to, yeah, go, go, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, no, I, I think you could probably both. I mean, I think we, I think we both are, are getting to the point where we both know what everybody's thinking here. But you could probably 
incorporate your response in your closing statement. But there is something I want to do before I get to those closing statements. Something I took from my friend Brian Nichols when he hosted a debate between myself and Eric Brakey, which I, I obviously won, even though the numbers didn't agree with that. Um, <laughs> but I, but he but uh, what I want each of you to do and make it make pretty quick, you know, a minute or two answer, hopefully. But just if you could each make uh, you know, kind of state what you thought your opponent's best point made what was made during the debate. So start with you, Dave. What do you think is the best point that Spike has made throughout this debate? Oh, um, well, I think I wasn't Spike, expecting that one, were you? What, no, well, <laughs> I, I wasn't, but I, I think Spike made a lot of good points. I mean, I agree with the majority of what he's saying, and I think probably the best point is that any duty that we entrust the government to execute is going to be executed poorly and will violate rights in the process. And I think that that's why we're all anarchists, even angry Mark. That's why, like, that's why we don't want, we want this to all be abolished or privatized. So I do think there's a very strong point um, to that. And, and I've never, you know, even in whatever, you know, border policy I'm advocating for in the minute, I, I always make a purpose um, to say in every single podcast I've ever done about you know, border stuff. I've always like made a point to be like, look, here's my end goal is that we should live in a free private, you know, society. And here are the direct policies that I'd advocate for, which is like ending the war on drugs, ending the welfare state, ending the coups in Central America, all of this stuff. So I think that's a, a very strong point that I agree with. Yeah. And I'd say the same thing. I think uh, every every good point that Dave made is one that I agree with him on already. No, I, I think I think that we both agree with each other on the vast majority of this. I think the the what it really hinges on. Wow, we lost Mark again. Oh, here he is. I'm back. Uh, this is just the Mexican, Mexican Internet. Whatever you do, this is the Internet. Don't this is the Internet, the internet you guys want coming into your country. <laughs> this, this will is, be all of your Internet. Do not let all of your Internet will be eight or frames open per borders. second. Open borders <laughs> will, will, lead will you make to your internet, internet this way. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Libertarians want your, your Internet to suck. Um, so, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think when it comes to what we agree on, it's the largely what we what we agreed on coming in. And I think the best points that you've made are talking about. And I, I hope that because I think there are some who both who are for and against you, who think that you're in favor of closed borders. And I think that it's good that they saw that you're not um, and that you actually are in favor of largely the same thing I am at the at the end goal where we disagree. And and I think we're going to remain disagreeing is which is the greater net harm uh, is the government not using authority to tell people where and where they can't go. Uh, or or using that authority to tell people where they where can and can't go in some way. And it, I, that's not going to get resolved in, you know, uh, two hours or an hour and a half or, or whatever else. But no, I think I think largely everything we've said has been in agreement with each other. All right. Well, debate and, and over. was you before this and was before this. <laughs> now, you got you guys do agree. I mean, this is really a, a debate very much about the nuance of the current state, state of affairs as opposed to the actual yeah. philosophical ends of things. Um, and for me, this is like one debate where I don't even need to hide, have need to hide bias because I am actually torn on this stuff too, because I've personally seen kind of both ends of this thing. And um, I think we all agree it all sucks. Like having the state run this shit is, is what sucks at the end of the day. So, but that's what we want to work our way out of here. Um, so now I think we're good to head to opening statements. Dave, I let you begin. So I will give spike the last word, which means I'm going to give you the first word of the last word. So yeah, that's a complicated way to say you can give your closing first. I'm going to give you a five minute. You probably don't even need that much. I mean, we've pretty much laid everything out, but yeah. I think we're we're getting a two hours, so more than five would be extraordinary. So go for it. 
Okay, sure. So even to the last comment that Spike just made about just like, you know, we don't want the government to tell people where uh, they can and can't go. But, you know, I mean, I don't know, as long as the government has a monopoly on all of these forces, I would kind of like them to tell people that they can't go at least on other people's private property. I would, I have no problem with the cops, like telling people that they can't, you know, like trespass and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, all of this stuff gets into some kind of murky areas when you're really talking about what the correct libertarian position ought to be. And specifically when you're talking about what the correct libertarian position ought to be in the current non-libertarian paradigm that we live in. And that's where things really, obviously these things are a lot cleaner if we had an anarcho-capitalist society, but that's not where we are right now. And I would just kind of get back to uh, what I said before, where I think that if libertarians are going to, and, and I, I think at points it's it's appropriate for them to say, listen, we're going to take a position that the vast majority of people disagree on. But if that is the case, and this isn't, this isn't so much the spike as it is just kind of a challenge to some other libertarians, if that's the case, then make sure you have a damn good argument about that. Make sure your argument is just to say, well, then you're not a real libertarian, or then you're a xenophobe or a racist or something like that. And I know that's not at all what Spike's done today, but this is what a lot of libertarians do if you don't support open borders. And even the idea that you're a bordertarian to me is like very silly. It's like if you support the cops enforcing violent crime and you say, before we abolish the police or privatize the police, I'd like them to still arrest murderers and rapists. That doesn't make you a coppertarian. And if you'd rather public schools teach, you know, like something that's not insane like they are today, it doesn't make you a schoolertarian. It's just saying that we have to have some common sense about what we support while the state still exists. And I hope that a lot of libertarians out there will at least grapple with this idea that, as I said at the very beginning, that what I see as an unexamined given that public property should just be open to everybody, is number one, not deduced from libertarian principles, and number two, as we can see in many examples, a disaster if you were to apply it anywhere, you know, like a state college just saying they have to accept everybody. It's like, okay, well, it's not a good state college anymore. That's all that comes of that. No libertarian paradise, just not a good college. And um, yeah, look, I I enjoyed this this discussion. I think there's a lot more that we could probably uh, uh, talk about in there. Um, I do agree with Spike that whatever we're advocating in in these areas, we should always be trying to advocate for less government authority rather than more. And just to the other point of Spike, because that Spike made that, I know, you know, a lot of people jump on the idea that because I don't support open borders, that means I somehow hate immigrants or I'm anti-immigrant or I want completely closed borders with nobody coming in. Never said anything even remotely close to that. And that is not what I believe. But a lot of experience was uh, with uh, immigrants. All of my early jobs as a teenager were basically me making five bucks an hour with a bunch of other immigrants making five bucks an hour. And I always thought that there were in general, very cool people. And I thought it was really fucked up that they were only making five bucks an hour with me when I was 14. So there's there's a lot of nuance to these these conversations. And I really do, once again, appreciate Spike and, and you too, Mark, for taking the time. And that's all. All right, Spike, I'll let you wrap it up. Yeah, I want to start by saying I'm glad that we were able to have a a passionate and heated discussion uh, on on this issue without either one of us devolving into name calling or <laughs> accusations of bad faith and no memes a, on the screen ever i was waiting for that the whole time 
Oh, were we supposed? I had. I could have made memes. Did um, you bring no, them? so next time. So we. Um, that's you know, an old. Right? That's a reference to. A, yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't know the reference. Uh, but oh, I'll you know, send we you a link. Spike, okay, good. Please don't cut this out of Spike's time. Spike, you don't want to know the reference. Yeah, I won't you count that against your time. You know, yeah, don't give me, I don't want to know the reference. But uh, you know, we were we were able to have this discussion. With, we did address arguments that the other one wasn't making but even that wasn't trying to assume some kind of bad faith on the other person's part and i'm just glad we were able to do that i think the disagreement here is again i think the the biggest it could be summed into what is the largest harm going to be is it going to be from government doing le- and i guess maybe i'm still even confused because i'm not 100% sure if if you're arguing for government to have potentially more if you're arguing for government to have less of uh, a power on a specific thing in this case immigration then you're arguing in favor of the increases in immigration that people are are, are many people might be against and other people many people might also be in favor of so i, I that's still a, a bridge we may have to cross later but our dis- that'll be on our part two debate we'll discuss, we'll discuss that's that part later. that's that's the sequel of this the rematch um the argument comes down to which is the greater net harm, the potential uh, auxiliary effects of people being allowed to come in. And again, I've never said, and I don't think you ever accused me of this, I've never said all public property, including schools and including this and including that, should be open to every single human being, regardless of their intent or whatever. I, I didn't argue that. What I've argued is the specifically the permission to enter and then go to where they are welcome sh- should be allowed instead of not allowed. And the, the the disagreement boils down into which is the greater net harm, allowing people to enter and the possible strain on taxpayer funded services and free association, free association that may result or keeping the status quo or even strengthening it, strengthening it in the face of a government that is chomping at the bit to put us in camps that are inevitably going to look exactly like the ones that they're building. And in the midst of that, and in the midst of of that growing, I'm always going to argue in favor of that government having less power. And if the argument is that this is an unpopular thing and that there's going to be backlash, that's honestly true of all of our different uh, positions that we have, which is incumbent on us, as and Dave even said this, to have good arguments and messaging as to why we support this. I would never recommend that you go up to people and tell them, uh, hey, I think that you know, 100 million billion people should come here. And if you don't agree, you're a racist. That's stupid. But you shouldn't do that about anything. About you know, I, I think the way that libertarians argue a lot of stuff is often not very good. We talk about how that, the actual enforcement of that thing, is hurting them in ways large and small, and then go forward from there. And again, I mean, this is the back and forth that we've had the whole time. But I think that if the what it boils down to is, which is the greater net harm? And then conversely, which is the greater net good? Is it a greater net harm for uh, government to have more authority? Or is it a greater net harm for government largely to have on this issue less authority? And I would argue nine times, 99 times out of 100, and arguably probably 100 times out of 100, that government having less authority on something, or at least government allowing permission for something, is the correct thing, and and will lead to a a, a net a net a, a net less net harm as a result of it. And that's really that's really what it boils down to. All right, and I gentlemen. appreciate you you both being a part of this. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I got to say, this was like in all in all seriousness, this is 
literally the best conversation I think I've ever heard on this topic, especially <laughs> because I'm, at least I'm, I'm, it's between two people that generally, I mean, that share my philosophy and I think are both coming at the conversation from the right place with the right philosophy, with the right end goals in mind. And uh, this has just been freaking awesome. So I can't wait for part two. We're going to record that right now, right? As soon as we... Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, the like four hours, right? The next one's four but, hours. Um, yeah. But who knows? This may be. I have a newborn. I fell asleep and woke up several times during this debate. (laughs) Are we going to keep doing this? This may be a preview of future debates to come. Who knows? Only time will tell. But for today, I really thank you guys so much uh, for coming on, helping us hype up this debate, especially for our patrons, our local supporters who got to watch this live, get to celebrate uh, Jewish Christmas with us. And uh, also, but we, of course, appreciate the normies watching us here in the new year as well. So we should have been eating Chinese food the whole time. Oh, yeah, that's that's in my plans. I can't wait. Uh, My favorite part of Christmas by far. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you so much. Keep up the great work. We'll talk soon. Keep on roaring. All right. That was a doozy, a doozy of a conversation. I hope you enjoyed that one. What a way to kick off the new year. Uh, Don't forget as well, like I mentioned, we now have separate feeds for all of our shows. You can stick right here on the Lions of Liberty Network, or you could be listening to one of our individual feeds where you will get each of our shows. You can find Lions of Liberty with Mark Clare. You can find Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams. You can find Finding Freedom with John Odermatt. You can get all of those feeds. Each of them might have some of their own personalized content. Content, but you can always get all three of the main Lions of Liberty shows right here in the Lions of Liberty Network feed. If that's where you're listening to this, I don't know where you're listening to anything right now, but you get you get my point. I also want to mention our good friends at Good Morning Liberty. Nate and Charlie do a bang up job five days a week, keeping you apprised of the latest Liberty news and current events and filtering them all in a very, very palatable way. Yes, it's a show you can, uh, unlike Brian McWilliams, you can share this show. Unlike Electric Liberty Land, you can share Good Morning Liberty with, uh, with Grandma pretty safely. So check those guys out check them out at the best url of all time still bernielies.com and i mentioned those gentlemen here because they are longtime patrons they are aslan patrons which means they get a mention each and every week on one of our shows so you don't want to miss out all the perks over on our patreon at patreon.com slash lions of liberty we also have a locals page for the patreon at verse over at lions of check it all out we're going to be roaring into the new year and do check out my episode zero whether you're listening on the mark claire lions of Liberty feed or the network feed, please pop over to the Lions of Liberty with Mark Claire feed because I got some things to say. Don't worry, it's a lot shorter than this one. It's 20 minutes. Uh, until next time, my friends. Live long and live free.